Greetings, everyone. You are listening KJ New. We are about to have Reasoning with Femi Kuti. He's a living legend of Afrobeat music and three-time Grammy nominee, and of course, he's the son of the great Falakuti. Femi and his band, The Positive Force, have taken Afrobeat music to a new level, as continuing in the tradition of Fela by combining music with a strong politic message. My name is Ukat. Welcome you KJ New Independent Non-Commercial Community Radio. Hello, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Welcome. Thank, thank you for um, being here today. Thank you, thank you. Well, um, your father, Fala, was um, continuously at odds with um, authorities. Um, what was it like uh, growing up in, the, in that environment? It must have had its um, traumatic moments, like soldiers throwing your grandmother out of the window. Yes, it did. Um, it did. Um, I mean, it was. Um, I was. Uh, I was still a young teenager at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it um, was very. I mean, it was. It did have its um, negative effects on all of us as children. Um, are you still affected by it, or you move forward to the next level? I mean, it's in my past. I mean, it's not um, something I dwell on every mm-hmm. day. But I mean, it did happen in my life, and I and I've, I I would not say I've moved on because mm-hmm. it's still part of what happened to us as a family. And mm-hmm. Nigeria is and Africa is still very difficult. So the battle is still on for a, a better Africa, and but it's still part of the history of our family. I'm part of the story of Africa. Okay. Um, when your father took you out, out of a school saying he wanted you to find your way to play music, how did you feel about that? How old were you when you started playing with Fela in Egypt 80? Where was, where was the first appearance on the stage for you? No, the first time I, I was 17, but before that I had recorded with him. He had this album, Center of the World, he did with Royer. So this was my first major contribution with, with the Egypt 80. Uh, down, that was my first recording with the band, recording Africa, Center of the World. And when I left school, it was, um, I mean, I was a young kid. And nobody really, I don't think, there are not many children who want to go to school. So I was very excited to you know, not be in school. So, and it was, I thought life was going to be just fun and games. And, I mean, it became another another story. <laughs> How did you learn um, to play music? Did your father taught you? He didn't teach me. I, w- I would not say he didn't teach me, but I would not say he taught me. Because it's, mm-hmm. it was more of watching him. So, he was the kind of teacher, I would say, that you just had to sit with every day listen to him talk, listen to him rehearse. And you learn, you learn because I was really close to him. So I could really learn a lot by just being, waking up every day in the house, watching him, studying him. And then he will give me a few tips. But I mean, he wasn't the kind of conventional father who would sit down and teach you how to read and write music and blah, blah, blah. No, 
you had to be very smart to catch up with him and things like this. So do you write uh, music? Do you learn how to write and read music or do you just play music? Yes, I mean, I could read and write music, but it's not one of my gifts. So I said to read and write music, but it was taking too much of my time. I was trying to move very fast. And so most of what I've done is like self-taught and just playing to ear. And I find this more suitable for me. But I would not advise anybody to do this. Like my son, he's studying music. He's in school in England studying classical music. Now, I think because of the kind of upbringing I had, I needed to be on the highway. I had no time to... I couldn't slow down my pace as um, a young man growing up. I had so much to catch up with, and the only way was to quickly grasp and learn as much as possible. And I could not do this sitting down reading. Mm -hmm. So you are multi-instrumental. Um, uh, which instrument was the most difficult to teach yourself? The trumpet, I would say. And probably, so, I would say, I would not, I think all of them have their hazards. It's very difficult to say one is more difficult or more easier. The piano, for instance, you need to be able to coordinate both hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's very difficult to do two different things at the same time. And I'm, I am not a master of that. I, could, I can block some chords. So what I use the piano for, for example, is to... It's like um, I just use it to create an effect with my music. So I would not say I'm a great pianist <laughs> at all. But a saxophonist, yes. A trumpeter, I'm very much on the way there. I did play the bass. I did play the drums and percussions. I did learn the guitar. But I would not say... I will play them professionally. These are things I was learning on the way. But what I will say I major in is the trumpet and the saxophone for now. All right. Um, how, much, how much of an inspiration uh, your father has been to your career? Great. It depends on where you're talking about. Politically, mm -hmm. socially, he's been musically. Music. I mean, it was because of my father I wanted to play music, first of all. So he was the foundation of my, the beginning of me wanting to become a musician. Then politically, being concerned about what is going on in my environment, he was a great influence, influence in my life. Then you talk about courage, how to be brave, how to stand up to your belief, how never to surrender. I mean, he showed me courage. He taught me how to be brave. He taught me never to give up, even if you are losing the battle, so to say. I see. Um, did you ever envision Afrobeat becoming as huge globally as, as it is right now? Yes, never had any doubt of that. Never. You see, um, your last album uh, titled Africa for Africa, uh, with its powerful message, happens to be my favorite album of yours. Tell us, um, what do you mean by Africa for Africa? I was just thinking about um, when I look at Africa from another perspective, I, I think the only way Africa can come out of the problem is for Africa to love Africa, to care for Africa. In doing this, Africa needs to appreciate its history. Africa needs to understand. Africans need to understand 
that Nigeria, Ghana, Togo, all these countries are colonial structures. We need to overcome this education. And we need to understand we are one people. We, are, we have very similar cultures and traditions and similar beliefs. And the only way for us to... I, I strongly believe Africa can be the envy of the world. If African leaders truly love their people and care for their people, Africa will be the place to be. And Africa, I strongly believe Africa has a huge contribution to world development. So this is what brought about the title Africa for Africa. Yeah, that's true. Um, what do you think is the answer for some of the biggest problem Africa is facing today? I think the biggest problem is corruption. The leaders need to stop being greedy and they need to truly invest in Africa and Africans. I think if we overcome the problem of corruption, then we have taken a major step into progress. So the biggest problem, you think, is uh, corruption then? Yes, because corruption stops education. Corruption stops health. Corruption gives misinformation. Corruption is the, is the basic problem of Africa. Greed by uh African leaders. And this corruption is now like a cancer. It's now like an uncurable cancer because a country like Nigeria, you find out the youths are now very corrupt because they believe the precedence that, have been, that has been set by the leaders is that if you are not corrupt, you will never be successful. So they have set a very bad precedence for the youths. So everybody believes the only way to be successful is to be corrupt. So, so you find so many young people indulging in things that is sad. And this kills the generation and the generation unborn. Well, that's true. Um, a lot of Western media image that comes out of um, Africa are not flattering. Is there anything that can be done uh, to counter those negative image or there is um, nothing positive comes out of Africa? You cannot say there is nothing positive that comes out of Africa. There is. But unfortunately, the, the negativity overshadows the positivity. And we as Africans have to accept this fact. We cannot see what is going on in Congo, Sudan, Somalia, Mali, and say it's, all is well in Africa. We cannot see what is going on in South Africa and say all is well in Africa. You can't see what is going on in Nigeria and say all is well in Africa. So if you have a hundred bad things and two good things, you cannot, you cannot give Africa a pass mark. So when people are talking about the negativity, we need to appreciate the truth. And we need to work on eradicating this negativity. But there, Africa does have a lot of positive things in sports, music. We have great doctors around the world. We have great engineers. Individually, if you even go by my album, Africa for Africa, individually I say Africa is very successful. Collectively, we have a major problem, and we need to understand this as a fact. Mm, I see. Um, recently I've been watching this uh, movie, um, Blood in the Mobile, documents um, the illegal trade in minerals used in cell phones and computers. 
What are your thoughts on the continued removal of African natural resources by Western nations? Would it be better if Africa, African countries naturalize their natural resources? I, I, I don't think so. Government is there to protect the interest of the underprivileged. When you start to privatize all these things and sell it all out and make it for anybody to do what they like, then you, you don't give people who have not got the opportunity, you don't protect the interest of Africa. That is why government is there, to protect people. If take, for instance, in Nigeria, the government is privatizing everything. They will soon privatize our petrol, privatize everything. Who is going to buy this? The rich people. Are the rich people going to take care of the poor people? No. We know from history the rich never take care of the poor. The rich enslave the poor. Whichever way you want to look at it. It is very rare you find a poor person becoming rich. The system doesn't allow that, especially in Africa. So government must be set up to give everybody equal opportunity. It doesn't mean because I have the opportunity as Femi Nikola Kukuti to give my son the best education that the plumber's son must not be able to have the same education as my son. So the government is there to set equal standard, equal opportunity for every African. Who says the carpenter's son cannot become a pilot if he wants to be? Who says the carpenter's son cannot become a doctor? Who says he can't become a surgeon? But if you don't teach him physics, chemistry, biology, all these things, he will never, he will just become a carpenter. And then he will become a carpenter, African, so to say, style, he will not even become one of the best carpenters in the world. He will be a street carpenter like we have thousands of them in Africa who will make chairs that are not, <laughs> are not equal. One leg is longer or shorter than the other with lots of complaint. But if you, even if the carpenter's son wanted to have an education, then he must be able to go to a good school that would teach him the mathematics of becoming the best carpenter in the world. It must be his dream to always want to excel and be the best. This must be how African governments must operate, protecting the interest of the nation. So what are, what are your thoughts still on the continued removal of African natural resources by Western nations? I mean, but this has been the trend for ages. This has been the thread of the, the trend since slavery, after slavery, after colonialism, after African independence, supporting corrupt bad governments. Europe, America have all been part and parcel to this trend, supporting corrupt African governments because of the resources of Africa. Everybody knows this as a fact. So that is where I say again, where is the interest of, the, where is the protection by African governments protecting their people? If African governments don't love their people, then this trend is going to continue forever. And they will use the police and the soldiers to oppress their people and sell the mineral resources to Europe for nothing. As we see in the Congo, Congo is the biggest example of this problem we have in Africa. So the war will continue in Congo because everybody needs the resources of Congo, which is, they say, is probably the richest part of Africa. You have all the mineral resources there. So Congo has to always be in, at war for the multinationals to just keep on looting the goods from the Congo. And everybody will say, oh, yes, the soldiers are raping the women. Oh, Africans are killing Africans. But who is giving these soldiers? Who is arming the soldiers? We know there is no major gun factory in Africa. 
We know Africans cannot make this kind of bombs. So somebody supplying Africans this tool to continue this bloodshed, killing themselves to the detriment of their people, to take the resources out of Africa and give the diamonds, and people are wearing them in Europe and America. I mean, we know this as a fact. But then who are we going to blame? We have to hold, who are we going to hold accountable, if not African leaders, cursing at the um, OAU, the Organization of African Unity, at the UN, who sees all this and does nothing about it, than just talk, 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 make posters, posters, posters. But as we speak, millions of people are losing their lives over this issue. So um, the leadership uh, is mostly for Africans' problem. Do you think uh, uniting Af- Africa um, would help? Yes, easily. Everybody knows. Every great African has always suggested this. From Marcos Gavi to Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, my father, Kwame Nkrumah, Lumumba, Sankara, every African that was truly sincere for the fight of freedom for Africa and the emancipation. This was their goal. Africa has to unite. Africa must understand. Africa today is not the Africa of the past. What is Africa of the future? Africa must remember its past to understand today to propel itself to the future. So we can say the United Countries of Africa. Open your borders for all African people. Not just that. Open your borders to all Africans around the world to be able to come back home to contribute to the development of Africa. We know in America we have great... Let's take, for instance, what I study, music. There are great professors in America that would love the opportunity to come back home and to teach for... to teach to enhance the creativity which will even help them in African colleges... African universities, secondary schools, primary schools. But if African leaders don't give them the opportunity, this dream will never cease to happen. So, now I will give another example. As a Nigerian, to get a visa to South Africa takes me months. But because I have a British passport, I can walk into South Africa today. I don't need a visa. And I'm allowed, because I am British, to go into South Africa for three months. But as a Nigerian, an African, I have to queue for hours, months sometimes, before I am given a visa to go into another African country. Hmm, I see. Do you think uh, we will see a united Africa in our lifetime? We will continue to fight for it. If we don't see it in my lifetime, somebody else will continue the fight. One day this dream will come to be. I will not just stop there. There will be peace on earth one day. Now we talk, as much as I talk about Africa, I'm not, I talk about Africa because I live in Africa and I must fight for Africa. But then we have to go over that. We must talk about world peace. We cannot see our friends and brothers in Greece or Portugal or in America suffering and not come to their aid or talk about their problems too. So every, we have to understand that what goes on in America will affect us one day in Africa. So we cannot shut our borders to the American public either, or Europe. We all have to find a way, which is why if UN, the United Nations, was truly doing its job, it should be sitting down with world leaders, truly talking about these issues, and not just talking about them, but we must be seeing answers 
to all these problems. Not on a very minimum scale that nobody feels the effect. Is it the drought? Is it the famine? Even let's look at Syria. The children suffering from the war in Syria. Every day, TV, TV is talking about it. But as we speak, those children are dying. And the United Nations cannot come to their aid. What is the World Bank doing? It's not, it's, we're talking about money, paper, paper. The World Bank and the United Nations cannot say, we're going to give these children $20 billion to solve them, their problems in that camp so these children can have a good life. They are, those children are the future for tomorrow. They can't see this. So I think between the World Bank, all these super nations, if they truly are sincere about world peace, I think it's, it's, such, it's such a simple mathematics that it's possible. Mm. Yeah, I really uh, would be curious to see the United um, Africa in my lifetime. Well, um, you combine your politics with music very effectively, and your father did uh, with the current war and terror and the government becoming increasingly more authoritarian. What role does music have to play nowadays in our world, or does it have any role? Music will, music will always have a role to play, be it love, politics, or whatever. And like I was saying the other day, imagine the world with no music. <laughs> we'll just be fighting and we'll be depressed and we'll just keep on killing each other. Music is a suppressant. If you live, it's a love story. It makes you dream. It makes you feel good. So music will always, the art form will always contribute to world peace, world development, consciously or subconsciously. Hmm. So you would agree with your father's fellow statement saying music is the weapon then? It is part of the weapon. As much as music will be the weapon, you need somebody to execute the weapon. So we still need positive organizations that will use this weapon positively to achieve this dream. Like organizations like the United Nations, the World Bank, America, Africa. Whilst we in the art form are doing our job playing good music. Be it a love story or political, social, cultural in as it may be, the subject we're talking about. But we still need all these other arms to execute it with action. I'm going to ask you about the music scene in um, Nigeria right now. How would you describe uh, the popularity of the Afrobeat among the young uh, Nigerian at present? Are, th are the young people supporting it or they are more into the Western music like hip-hop? <laughs> they are supporting it. I'm not a critic of what the young people are doing as long as it's positive. So I know that they are, many of them are incorporating the Afrobeat into hip-hop African style. It's good. I can never expect anybody to be a Femikuti or a Fela. They have to find who, themselves. And you see, when you want to even play the Afrobeat, it's such a gen of music that they are, the critics will always descend on you, which will make you shy away from it. They will, you, they will say you are not exactly like a fella. 
in Nigeria especially, you must look like my father, dress like my father, talk like my father to play the Afrobeat. So you have the fanatics that will never support you. So a lot of young people shy away for this. Now, hip-hop is very easy for the young people to follow or be identified with. But then, hip-hop is a kind of trend that as you get older, you need to get serious with your life. For young people, yes. But as you get older, you're going to have to play musical instruments. It's not going to be about your fine, beautiful figure or face or because you're handsome. People are going to ask you, oh, so what musical instrument you play? No, I can't play any. <laughs> you are going to lose your fan base eventually. So that is a game. Our culture, our tradition, the government must ensure, must protect the young people. To, if you want to, nobody says, music is not just about the glamour. They just see the glamour and young people want to be part of the glamour. They want to be popular. They want to go about and people will like their songs. But music is not just about that. And this happened to me as a young boy too. I wanted to be like my father. And then when I found out the tedious work I had to do, I came to a crossroad. Do I want to continue or will I give up my life? And when I heard people like Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, I was, <laughs> I was, I was disheartened. I, I thought I would never be able to play like a Dizzy Gillespie or Charlie Parker. I said, my God, oh. So young people are not opportune to even have this kind of experience I had as a young person. But that experience was what gave me it, 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 it gave me so many sleepless nights. So many sleepless nights. Listening to Charlie Parker, Coltrane, Miles Davis, all these big bands. Even when you listen to classical music deeply, you are like, oh my God. So you now want you, you want to, where do you want to be as an artist? You just want to be there for the glamour? You will fade away after a while. Or do you want to be a true musician? Now, when you want to become a true musician, you're not thinking about fame. You're not think, thinking about the money. You are thinking you are, you are making a lot of sacrifice to make people happy. I'll give you another example. The day my mother died, I had a concert. Nobody cared my mother died. They wanted me to play the gig. And now I could not go on the mic and start saying, Oh, I'm sorry, my mother died. Oh, please, sorry for me. They, are you there? <laughs> if, you, if that's what you want to do, stay at home. Or do you know how many people will have lost their mothers on that day? So you are the platform for people to overcome bad times. And that's a sacrifice people in the art have to take. Young people yeah. don't know this. Are we expecting any upcoming um, album anytime soon? Yes, hopefully in April, called No Place for My Dream. All right, thank you. Thank you to, for talking to us today. It you was a uh, pleasure. My pleasure, too. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes, um, you're listening um, KJ New Boulder, Denver. Um, uh, if you are just joining us, we just talked with Afropeat superstar Femi Kuti.